welcome to Role, a podcast looking at defining roles. Each episode, we ask our guests the same five questions as a starting point to help us understand how roles have helped shape who they are today. We're your hosts, Monica Fernandez-Tranco and Louis Dalton-Gilbert. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website on role.studio. On today's episode, we are delighted to welcome Helen Kamuk, who landed on our radar through a series of films and performances shown as part of the Serpentine Cinema in October in 2016. Helen graduated from the Royal College of Art in 2011, and since then her work has been shown extensively across the UK. She has said that thinking about who represents whom and for whom is key to her practice. Helen uses personal experience and her knowledge of contemporary art to inspire the stories she chooses to tell, and we are very excited to have her here on our podcast. What roles do you think define you? Okay, because this is a tricky one too. Like, it's quite massive, isn't it? So I've been thinking about this, and so I was thinking, oh, God, is this about the things that I do? Is this about the people that I engage with? Is this about me and and um, how I feel in the world? Um, so I, I've been thinking about kind of the things that define me and kind of the roles that I have are as an artist. So I, I feel that and I see that that's a role, feels like a role. I feel like I have a role. There's something about that that's about politics and activism as well as um, creating something beautiful, interesting, kind of challenging. Um, yeah, so that for me, that's a role. The other one is that I spend a lot of time um, running projects with and for other people. So the idea of a facilitator, whether you think of that as an artist facilitator or a participatory facilitator, that is another role um, that sort of, I've, I think of my practice as having these two strands and one is that I make work because I want to say something in the world um, and I kind of have a role where I facilitate um, kind of projects, spaces, environments where other people have the opportunity also to do that. So that feels like they're two different roles because I am doing different things in those kind of situations or that kind of space but they there's some there's there's an intersect between them that's really important to me um and then I also teach so that's another role and that feels like that also intersects because again that's about um that idea of nurture that's what I need that's what I want to be able to articulate my thoughts um processes and so that's the other role that I have um in the world is about supporting other people to be able to say what they want and that's a kind of that's a different context it works in a different way it needs yeah. different skills but um that's a kind of another kind of intersecting role and then there's all the stuff i suppose that's about you know being in relationships with people in general in the world that kind of has all of those in it you know it's about having a voice it's about being supportive being respectful all of those things so then i was thinking oh they're not really roles they're just all but I How think I the facilitator myself. that you made is actually a really good one because I think even as an artist, just self-facilitator, you're really opening up something yeah. to a public yeah. and allowing us to experience or engage with different ideas. And yeah. a lot of the films that um, you, you've made actually facilitate in a way that, yeah, exactly, that public to, to delve into bigger issues, political issues. So yeah. Not to tell you, yeah. <laughs> that, really, that really stood out for me, I yeah. think. And actually, as a teacher and as a you know, project manager, um, I feel like that's actually maybe the, the, the common ground, yeah. as you're saying. Yeah. It feels like it's a kind of chicken and egg scenario. Yeah. Like, they, which one came first? They're kind of so interlinked. And, they're, mm. you know, they're so... 
present in your practice and you, you often give people voices, whether they're people who have passed on, like mm. James Baldwin, or other people that yeah. wouldn't get the opportunity to speak. Yeah. So you're, not only do you, like, for senior work, do you facilitate people by giving them, as a facilitator and creating projects for other people, within your art you do facilitate people quite a lot. Mm. And you teach people quite a lot, because I've learned a lot from your work, so... But what Thank within you. all those different strands, then, what would you say at this moment in time specifically would, is your most important role and why? Okay. Uh, okay, right now, like in this moment where I'm at, the thing that I'm really, um, really yearning to push forward is the, um, is the artist. Um, I've spent, I think, so before, well, maybe I'll talk about this a, a little bit later, but I've, I've spent 10 years... Uh, working in social work and so the kind of the idea of facilitation and support and nurture and all of that was like a really long process and that's run all the way through and then um, kind of changing career as you might think of it yeah changing career and working um, to facilitate different kinds of projects and trying to have a kind of practice and a studio practice alongside that has been really really difficult and I have got to a point now where I'm just like right okay I need I just I have this really kind of almost desperate sense that I just need to make work now so that's the role that I want um, of all those strands that as you're describing it, which is, I've never really even thought of it in that way, facilitating that voice um, and those dialogues. That's the bit that, right in this moment, that's my kind of most important um, strand. That's what I want to be doing right now, so. And have you, have you kind of, how do you, how do you navigate that in terms of your schedule? Do you, can, can you commit yourself wholly to that or, and, and aren't necessarily teaching as much or, or how, do, how do you work? Just This isn't actually part of any questions. I'm just, you have so much on your plate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very... Yeah. Um, well, I, I do this thing where I think, ah, this project will end. I'll take a little bit of space. So I had decided that it wasn't working for me having three or four, sometimes five projects on the go at the same time um, and never going to my studio and and then thinking, oh, no, I haven't done anything, and then kind of making a piece in a weekend, and that's kind of how it's been. And what I'm going to try and do now is I've got um, quite a large project that I've been doing for nearly a year now um, with PhotoWorks that is coming to an end, and... I've been working at a photographer's gallery and that's coming to an end and lots of things are sort of coming to an end and now it's about the courage to just go, okay, I'm not going to take a lot more on. Having said commit. that, yeah, I've got to commit, yeah. yeah. Have a studio now in London that's more permanent. So before that I've had different studios in different places and they've been short term or sublets and now I have, I've started to build this kind of space that I now have to use. So, exciting. yeah, that's it's really great. exciting. It's always so daunting when you have so much and just to be like, right, this is it. We're going. It's scary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> so the next question that we have on our list is, who were your role models growing up and who are they now? And when did that shift happen? Okay. So this is really, I, you know, I was, I've been thinking about this. I was thinking about this in the night and I was thinking, oh, role models. Hmm. Um... And I, do, I, I, I genuinely feel that I didn't have any role models in my immediate reality. I didn't have any. Um, so I didn't have any in my family. I didn't have, or, or not people that I was conscious of being role models. There weren't people I looked up to. <laughs> there weren't people that I aspired to be like. Mm -hmm. um, and so 
all the kinds of role models I had were outside of that and then that became really problematic I'm sort of born of an age where like when you were watching films tv you were reading kind of literature children's books all of that kind of stuff I wasn't represented in any way shape or form and so that was a problem and that was not necessarily a problem when I was really young because I think I wasn't as aware um I became more aware and actually my parents did try to work hard to try and find books that we would see ourselves in in some way represented but um, that was also really difficult so in the end I just kind of aspired to be there were lots of different things like athletes or um, I was kind of really into sport I was into kind of be feeling sort of powerful so I would like to I used to play games where I'd be a superhero or um, I'd, I'd give myself roles where I felt like I had some power um, and some uh, what's the word some agency I suppose in in my life so that's I kind of felt like I was creating my own role, role models until I got to a point where I thought, OK, I need to I need to kind of break outside of these really problematic superheroes. They're always white men and, you know, that they're not representing me, even if I'm taking that on. I need to find something that I can have some aspiration to. And then I think in my early teenage, I started to read um, Alice Walker, Maya Angelou, black American fictional writers I started to kind of read poetry the Liverpool poets I started to find kind of inspiration and aspiration and I don't know whether that I would define them as role models but they were people who had voices that were exciting me they were making me feel like my life had possibility um, and in that way that's how I'm thinking of the idea of role model because that's that's what's continued for me throughout my life is that um I really enjoy everyone that's in my life. No, that's a lie. Not everyone. <laughs> but um, I enjoy people. I really enjoy being in the world and being with people. But I don't think I do this thing where I put people above me or below me. Or And so there's something about the idea of a role model is that somehow they have more knowledge, more skill, more intelligence, more whatever it is. And so I think I'd, I don't kind of go there. That's not how I relate. But what I do do is I, I find people that, I might think they're more intelligent than me, or I might think I might make decisions about what they do that I think is amazing or wonderful, or things that I could learn from. And that's when I start to think about again, it is mostly fictional, but you know, people like James Baldwin, Franz Fanon. I know lots of things are slightly problematic with Franz Fanon, but essentially, there was something you know, when you read people or you're engaged by something, whether it's film, literature, that those are the kinds of points of connection for me where I just think oh wow okay and that has an impact and for me I guess that's how I'm thinking of that idea of a role model I don't know if that makes sense it it does and this is I think this is the question of of all of the ones that we've come up with that I like the most because I think it's the one that kind of is the genesis for the project that we're doing is because this is something we've talked about a lot yeah and I one thing that you said earlier about um your parents trying to, to give you books where you could find someone uh, to relate to. And, and this is just because it's it's more of a something that I think about a lot, but is that there, therefore, you know, looking for someone who was black? Is it, it Does race have a lot to do with role models and, and people that you end up looking into? Because I, I'm mixed race and I've, it's some, been something that only very recently I've kind of come around to this whole side of me that, you know, is black and African and there's this whole history which I've obviously been aware of but um, I haven't really looked towards mm. and I think that growing up that was something that was really difficult for me because mm. I was always looking at 
this other side that was white and I lived in America and there's white, white, white and mm. it it was difficult. Um, and now I'm, I'm turning back to it um, and I'm, I'm wondering whether, you know, did you have, do you have to look back to something that looks like you to, to be able to be lifted up in a way that mm. makes sense? Um, I guess, I guess I don't feel that it has to look like you, but if you don't see yourself represented anywhere and then the only place that maybe you do is like as a mugger in a newspaper or as yeah. a gang member or a, yeah. if everything that you see of yourself or a representation of yourself, even if, I think it's that reality where you start to, even if that's not how you see yourself, you start to realise in the world that that's how people might perceive you. I had a relatively middle-class upbringing. My parents were teachers. We, you know, I had they had the opportunity to think about what kind of imagery and representation we received. It still wasn't great. And it, um, I guess when I lived in London as a, as a younger child, it was, I almost didn't, this sounds a bit crazy, but I almost wasn't conscious of my blackness. And then moving to Somerset, suddenly I represented something entirely different. And we were just bombarded with, absolutely bombarded with racism everywhere we went. People shouting us across the street when we went shopping, you know, in our schools. It was really, it was a really, it was a real shock to the system. And at that point, uh, it was about, I guess, survival. It was a strategy of, of what do you do? Do you reject the blackness and kind of engage with the whiteness do you say well actually this is just who I am and it's neither that nor that or you you know and it's it's about how you how you survive I guess um and so for me it was not necessarily about having to see having to see that physical representation of who I was but the older I get the more I realize how important that is um because it is how we engage with the world we we are very visual and you know literature is important and the newspapers are important everything we everything we consume and absorb is so so important when we're de starting to define ourselves and our identity yeah, yeah. I, I think you also when you get a bit older you you come to question the lack of mm. representation of people that look like you and mm. why that is mm. and why there's only certain stories about people that look like you and yeah. you know we live in one of the most diverse cosmopolitan cities in the world but still there seems to be this struggle and I think I very similarly to you was quite blissfully unaware and to the point of oh okay so there's no one like me in this tv program there's yeah. no one like me in this film yeah. there's no one like me who's incredibly successful at this mm. time or mm. you know and I think again similarly to you my, my parents really tried to kind of make that different and you know I, I I remember watching a lot of tv programs like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air or yeah. Desmond's yeah. and like reading books from Africa or from the Caribbean my parents being quite good at doing that but then I think for me like going to school and back out into the real world it was completely diluted and disappeared yeah. again because you know when you're at school and you're learning about World War Two, and there's not a mention of anyone of colour yeah. or you know, all those things. that I, I don't remember learning about anyone black except from in Black History Month. And then again, it was always in relation to white people. Mm. You know, it was always slavery or... It was never... You know, it was... I, I think... I think you you have to teach yourself those things if, if, if you feel like you need to. It's not... I'm not saying it's a necessity for everyone, but I definitely got to a point where I was like, I have to learn about people who might have had similar struggles to me and that 
might be because they are the same colour as me or because they're gay as well or anything yeah, like that. Yeah. I think you have you have to educate yourself in that just as a term of survival because mm. otherwise you, you do kind of... You could get... I mean, I think I would have become really depressed and it would have been a lot harder for me to kind of accept myself as a human being had I not looked into those other avenues and not mm. read about other people's you know, mm. overcoming those issues that are still really present today, yeah. unfortunately. And the thing that's really frustrating is it shouldn't be about survival. It should be everybody needs to know those stories. Yeah, it's not just exactly. it's not just if you identify or you're represented, you should know those stories. We should all know those stories, all of the stories. They're part of they're part of our history. They're mm. part of our legacy. All of us, you know, yeah. regardless of our race or our ethnicity, where we were born, where we're living now. It's we need to know it and yeah it's world history yeah. you know it's not yeah. it's the history of the world it's not just yeah. of one part of the yeah, world and I exactly. think exactly um, so I think we should move to the next question which you have <laughs> started answering um, but obviously Maya Angelou James Baldwin the Liverpool poets have all been people that you looked up to how do you how do you think they've influenced you I th- <laughs> I think I think the influence is, is 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 about it's about my wanting to have a voice definitely it's about my wanting to change things it's about um having an understanding of who I am in the world and and the context in which I live um it's about how history can be challenged and history can be rewritten and unpicked um the emissions um and the kind of fabrications and the kind of power dynamics. Um, so I think all of those are, are kind of people um, and movements, so kind of in terms of philosophy, in terms of kind of literature, who are who are challenging and rewriting something that um, very early on I started to feel was really important and that was what I wanted to do. Um, so kind of before... Um, even picking up a camera, because that was the beginnings for me of kind of making any kind of work. I had um, spent a lot of time singing and uh, as a kind of singer-songwriter and kind of writing songs and lyrics for songs. That was the beginnings for me of, of, of I suppose, taking on... So one of the songs that I kind of first sang when I was about 17 in a club, I sang um, And Still I Rise by Maya Angelou and just put it to music. And that was the beginning, I suppose. That was the kind of jump-off point of, yes, I... I have got something to say and I'll find a way to say it. And so that that way of saying it's probably going to change for the whole of my life and that's fine as well. And, you know, I kind of write poetry. Nobody's taught me how to write poetry. I just think, well, I can, I can write poetry if I want to write poetry. I can write songs if I want to write songs. I can make films if I want to. And I think it's, that's the most important, those are the most important messages that I got that I I can take space I can say what I want to say I can use whatever vehicle I want to say what I want to say and so I just always have that in the back of my mind and that's probably the biggest the biggest inspiration that I've had that idea that you can you can rewrite reality you can rewrite history and you can do it in the way that you want to and that you have the right and the space to do that I guess perfect yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you think role models are important? Yes, in in whatever way you know you define a role model and you 
think about them. And it might be this tiny fragment moment, like I had this, um, I was, again, I was thinking about this in the night and I had remembered um, when I was about eight, my um, headmaster had done this assembly on Galileo. And like the message was um, at the end of it, he, he said, and I want you all to remember that, you know, the, one of the most important things in life is to stand up for what you believe in. Whatever that is, you stand up for what you believe in. So, you know, Galileo is not a role model, but that little fragment of something that um, Galileo represented has kind of is inside of me and and all of these kind of little moments from authors and writers and filmmakers they're kind of they're in me and so that's the idea that that's why it's important to me that idea that you have someone to reach out to whether they're in your reality or outside of your reality but they can they can become part of who you are and how you decide to define yourself thank you thank, you. thank you so much